All right, guys, how are you doing? This is Miguel Obario, and you're tuning in to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up that mountain called wrestling. And you know, this being our 300th and something episode, this is season four of Now Entering. I would think that you would just kind of, you know, say it with me. I am your Sherpa. Because like everybody's favorite tribal chief, acknowledge me. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficient than you can. And that's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering. So who's entering the ring today? You can find this person at Frontier. You can find him at 1CW. You can find him at PPW, WWWA. You can find him today at CCW. He is a trainer. He is a promoter. He is a worker. He is the master of all. He's the guy that will take you up and down the turnbuckles and leave you hanging in the tree <laughs> of woe. He is the man to myth, the legend. He is Miguel Davario. Thank you, Red Dog, for that intro. Thank you so much, everybody. I am so excited to be on Three Count Podcast, and I've been—we've been talking about this for a little bit, man. Thank you for we having me on, man. <laughs> yeah, we've met a few times, and like every time I see you at one CW, I'm like, bro, we gotta bring you on a podcast. We gotta yeah. get this done, and and so finally, I was like, yo, let's get you on. And you're like, all right, let's go. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> let's do it, man. Let's get into it. I'm excited, man. Thank you. It's been crazy though, man, because like I want to share this. Like, uh, it's like I I was talking with another worker right over at One CW. Actually, this last time that we were there, yeah. And um, uh, you know, they had mentioned that they had heard of the podcast and that they wanted to be a part of it too. So I was like, oh my god, like the podcast is like slowly growing to the point where people were like, hey, yo, have you have you seen the show yet? And I'm like, hey, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 especially with this man, and like I said, Red, no, not taking away from your in ring stuff, but. Like, I, I, I heard about it through other people. And then when you hit me up, I'm like, oh, all right, well, he's inviting me. Got to definitely do it now. Now we have an opening. But, man, it's really it's really your hard work, man. And you've always been a hard worker, whether it was in the ring or doing this. You know, you're up to, what did you say, your 300-and-something episode, man? That That's insane to me. That's so good and dedicated, man. So congrats. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the words, too, because it's like we started this thing in the pandemic, like, as, like, Hey man, we don't have no content because we don't know if wrestling's gonna continue on. So let's just see what we can do. And then like just one thing led to another. And like now we're here at like this crazy amount of episodes I never thought that we would get to. And you know, the pushing on, the push on. So we'll see what happens like going forward. Absolutely, man. Anything I can help or anything, anybody that you may need, man, I'll send them your way, brother, because you deserve the best content for this podcast, man. Man, I appreciate that. So, hey, real talk, right? So I just need to know right off the jump, man, who is Miguel Del Barrio? So Miguel Del Barrio is a kid that grew up at a young age in Jersey, came over to Pennsylvania in the Pocono area at 11, um, had a dad who at a young age was a professional wrestler in Puerto Rico, um, but unfortunately lost my dad when I was super young. Um, and at that time, I didn't really have the love and interest of wrestling. I know my dad did it. He did it a little bit in Jersey, a little in New York when he came over or when, you know, when him and my mom were together and I was very little, but you know, it was only after he passed away that I was like, okay, I really, really want to do this now, whether it was for his memory or anything like that. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, like we'll pull the curtain back a little bit. Like this wrestling thing isn't not that it's not for everybody, but there's a lot of politics. So mm. when I was this like kid that weighed like one eighty nine, 
like like this kid coming in at 16 years old. There was a lot of people that didn't give me a chance. But then there was a lot of people that knew my dad when he was alive that, you know, they said, hey, kid, you know, we knew your pops. Come and hang out with us and we'll teach you what we can. And like it started there and I never looked back. And I still th- I still say to this day, it was thanks to my dad's influence that him looking after me, even all the, after all these years of being gone, like that's why I've been able to do this and continue to do this. It's kind of cool to be able to like be friends with people who are like second generation, third generation wrestlers and like get to talk to them and like pick their brain a little bit about what they yeah. learned from their, from their dad. You know, yeah. I, I, a, a perfect example, um, you know, outside of you, right. Uh, is Andino, right. Because I sit back and I met his dad uh, actually this past week um, at fight. And like, it was just kind of cool to be able to sit back and see like, you know, where the apple falls, what tree the, the apple falls from and be able to see like those two like interacting and stuff. I was like, yeah, right, this right. is actually kind of lit, but I it's, it's just, it's cool. Yeah. You realize it. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you realize too, like Andino is one of those guys too, that he lives this business and breathes this business. And then when you look at guys like Andino, you're like, oh man, that guy's so good. Like, how did you get to be so good? And then, like you said, like you meet his dad and then you see them interact and then you're like, there it is like you know there's the greatness right there yeah it's funny for me because like i know my dad like he wasn't a big pro wrestling fan but my grandfather was trying to break into the business out in kansas city in fact they had him nicknamed the great buddha because he was just a Uh short fat dude but um (laughs) they he he was like a big wrestling fan too and for me like i wanted to get into the business any way that i could get in right and uh I was like, I could never figure it out. In fact, I've shared this story like on other podcasts. I don't know if I've ever shared it here. But like when I got out of the military, the first job I applied for was um, after I fell out of my contract with uh, a certain company. I can't mention their name, but they know who they are. Okay. Maybe you were out here sponsoring the Patriots in their stadium. We know. But anyway, uh, you know, after my contract fell through, the first job I applied for was actually to be a writer for the WWE because, like, I was like, that's my dream is to get into pro wrestling. And so, and then umpteen years later, I finally, like, broke in. And, you know, now it's, like, it's a lot of fun because, like, I get to talk to a lot of people and then share my experiences with them. And then, in turn, like, I get to hear, like, I get to pick their brain about, like, the business and try to figure out, like, where their influence came from and, like, how they got their swag and their style and just, like, learn it's cool yeah um and 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 i think you know like i said man you and me have been in one cw's where we met and not many people know maybe of our relationship behind the scenes a little bit but like with you you know you besides being this great character on 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 the card and in the back and everything like that you're a good human being man so like with me at least with me right because a lot of people uh you probably don't know this about me either i don't deal with anybody in the back that has an ego like that's through the roof and whoever wants to get upset about that like you said a couple minutes ago if you want to get upset about it get upset about it it is what it is you know don't have an ego i won't deal with those people but like when it comes to you man you've always been humble and we've always talked and uh, like i've always, i picked your brain and i've seen you gone out there be part of these great great tag team matches in one cw and i'm like damn i've never had a tag team partner but that's how i would do it you know like the way <laughs> Red Dog is doing it with his team. That's how I would do it. Because, you know, it doesn't take, like, the greatest athleticism, which you're an amazing athlete, but it doesn't take – it's not always about the athleticism or the character. It's about the person behind everything. I've always believed that. And the way your brain works for this business is just phenomenal. And that's why you're doing as good as you're doing, bro. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate uh-huh. that. So 
you know, you said Pops got you or Pops's influences after his, you know, after he passed away, kind of got you into the business and got you hyped into it. Where was like those, like, where's those moments where you started breaking through? You started realizing like, Ayo, things are turning for me on my own accord. So it's, and like, and I will mention names either just out of respect, but like when I was 16 and I first started training, Obviously, I learned to take take my bumps and, and work work myself. I don't think my character didn't come in until later on um, because there was another. I have two characters, obviously. You know, I was T-Grey when I met you, and now I'm doing the Miguel gimmick. But at the end of the day, like, there was so much negativity in the locker room that I was in. You know, there was guys that had been there for a couple of years. And that wasn't all of them, but there was a lot of the guys that were in the locker room for a couple of years where they'd sit there and, like, like down push all these younger guys and and they'd get set up in matches and 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 it would do nothing if anything it should give them experience but you weren't learning anything when you were in there you know and and that to me like you know fast forward as i got older and i got better and i started getting people come up to me and say hey man like we respect you we love how you work you're a great guy this that, and the third like i i promised from that day on i think it was like 16 17 years old where i caught on to okay it's not just about me being a good guy in that ring. It's about being overall invested in everyone's future. And I think that's kind of what made my turning point happen was I stopped focusing. Because when I was 16, man, my ego was up there. I'm not going to lie. I think all of us have that little ego power power play, you know. And But with me, once I realized that I was getting more people talking to me and more invites to go to different things when I was like, hey, well, they offered me a match and it's going to be like, you know, not this big thing on the card. Nobody else will take it. You're kind of our last minute. You got, and I kept saying, yes, yes, yes. And then along the way, here we are. Now we're on the big matches on the big cards with guys like Red Dog and his team and a bunch of other guys. And, you know, here we are, you know? You know something? Because I, like, definitely, I, I I love being in certain locker rooms and just getting in, getting in touch with, like, people. And that's why, I like, you know, a place like 1CW, like, they had, like, all this great opportunity because, yeah. There's both, you know, you have the dual shows with obviously CCW, shout out yeah. to y'all. Um, and they put on some fire ass matches. And so I get yeah. to pick the brains of like some of the best people, like on not just like in the US, but, like on the planet, right? Let's be real. Like, yeah, you know, and, and it's cool. And you can sit down with people like yourself, right? And I don't want to say it like the meat wise, but like yourself, who's been in the business for so long, I get to pick your brain and understand and learn exactly what i'm looking for or like right. maybe that right. one piece of knowledge or even sometimes the best things that that get to me right is like um when someone is like just brutally honest and they they don't mean it in a sense of being malice right but they mean right. it in a sense of like hey this is what you're missing yeah. and like i found myself recently like just asking that question like right what is it that i'm missing that people are like hey like that's that's not the dude I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? And so some people like Chaz, who obviously is my best friend, and he's like, hey, you don't, you're not missing anything, man. You just, you just got to wait. And then other people will tell me, hey, sometimes you're a little too nice and you kind of have to like stake a claim sometimes. I'm like, but I was trained that as long as you're putting in the work, keep your mouth shut and just keep pushing forward. Like you're going to keep moving. And that's when I heard, if you don't open your mouth, you'll never get fed. I was like, I do. I so, get that. Oh, that that whole little thing you said there, like it's it speaks to me a lot, man. And I'll tell you, I'll break it down a little bit of what you just said too, and what it means to me that you said that. Um, I think again, I already told you how great I think you are. You know, I, I we'll, we'll put it for example. Right, obviously it hasn't happened. So here's a little bit of future tellings for everybody, so they can tune in. 
would I book someone like Red Dog on Frontier Pro Wrestling like today? 100%. I just need to close out everything that I'm doing. And I don't, I think everybody has the ability of being the it guy at some point or another in their career. Um, but again, like I told you, man, like even to this day, like, I, like, I, like I said, I started at 16. I'm 30 years old now. Uh, I feel stronger and better than ever before. And any, at any point in my career, I feel like I'm at the best version of myself right now, but you can't wait for someone else to tell you that, you know, like right now I feel the best that I do. And, and if I go to a show and there's a couple shows now that I'm involved with and I love all of them, but you know, there's definitely a couple guys that I look at and I'm like, huh, like, I know I do more work for them here and I know I work harder than them here and they don't want to put that spotlight on me yet, even though I'm striving to be the best for them. Um, that's okay. They can take their time because at the end of the day, I'm 30 years old and I feel the best that I've ever been in my career. And I'm not going to let anyone take that from me. That's why places like one CW, you know, I I've been with them for a, a lot. I own, I mean, like I owe Sean Hardy everything. Everything. If there would have never been a Sean Hardy in Miguel's life, there would have never been what my career is now. So I, I thank him and I thank God that I got a chance to meet him. Um, but you and me work our asses off at 1CW. And when those big matches come our way, the first guys he calls is, you know, us because we can carry. Um, I don't, you know, I, and I agree with, I agree with it. I, I was trained the same way. You know, you got to kind of keep your head low and just do, do your training and do what you got to do. But, I agree 100% with whoever told you that. Same thing. I had someone tell me, man, and said, hey, man, you're being way too nice. You know you're talented. You know you, you got what you got, and you know what brings to the table. Now go out there and dial it up 11 times more. And then you'll see people come to you. And they did. I, I dialed it up. Um, that, truth be told, I don't think I've ever told anybody. There's two reasons that I took the mask off. Um, I loved being Tigre for a long time. So, But a uh, wise wrestler told me, that, you know, I love that you've done this for so long, but there comes a point where you need to make a change if you want to get to that next level. And for a year now, I took the mask off about a year ago, and Miguel skyrocketed so much faster and is involved in so much more than T. Gray ever was at any given time at the same time. And my fiance was just tired of the mask. She was like, dude, you got to take it off. So that was pretty much it. <laughs> you know, happy wife, happy life, dog. So. <laughs> No, I feel that it's, it's one of the things I'm just curious though, like, because I know, I know somebody else who used to wear a mask, he took the mask off. And since he's yeah. taking the mask off, like his career skyrocketed as well. Yeah. And do you think it's like, but then I obviously you see other wrestlers who wear masks and they just like, just dominate in the, in the scene. Yeah. So for you, do you think it was like good for you to get behind a mask and kind of work behind a mask before you like took it off and then you saw yourself like skyrocket? Um, I, so I'm going to tell you, again, I started at 16, and the first gimmick that I took on was uh, Tigre. I'm glad that I did do that. Um, I think if I had been given all the attention and, hey, you're awesome at this, dude, yeah, keep coming in here, take these matches, here's this, hey, man, I would have grown up to be one of those people with an ego that I absolutely hate in this business. You know, I think that growing period for a while, because, again, I told you, I only took the mask off a year ago. But that whole time that I was Tigre, I think because of that mask, it taught me how to be humble. It taught me how to honor the craft that we do. And it taught me that, you know, even though I'm not being used at the top spot as Tigre at that time, I needed to just wait my turn. And along the way, because there is a, there is a silver lining and blessing in waiting uh, for your turn in a, in a locker room. 
because I waited, okay, and because I wasn't skyrocketed with a lot of people that have egos, I got to meet guys like um, Brad and Eric from Diamond City, Diamond City War Machines, some of like my best friends to this day. Um, I got to meet great guys like um, like Cyclone. He's out in New York, Cyclone-ish, amazing. Cyclone Jones is just a great guy to work with. And there's so many other people that I can't, I don't even have time to mention or don't want to forget anybody. But because I waited and people saw me waiting, I was able to talk to people that I probably wouldn't have if my ego was skyrocketed early on. As a kid, because at 16, if you're given something, a shiny toy, and they go, here, kid, run with it, why would you look back to anything else? No, it definitely makes sense. I know for me, it's funny because, like, uh, recently, JTG was in the locker room for out one CW. And I just happened to sit down and be able to talk to him for like a quick, like, I think it was like a minute and a half, but it was just, it was important to me. And uh, it was so cool because I was like, yo, kid me is like freaking out, but like adult me is like, yo, like I really got to pay attention to what this man is saying. And so like to be able to, to, to remember like, Hey, you know, like you say, like, you got to keep yourself humble. I'm like, yo man, I was like, I understand there's levels to this and I'm, I'm slowly going to climb up that ladder in this business but at the end of the day it's like it's i don't know it's fun because it's it's something uh like unique to like i don't know the rest of the world that i've like any world i've played in i guess for lack of better words yeah yeah yeah, absolutely it's definitely something that you don't find in anything else um i think like i said wrestling has been all i've known because i've been 16 obviously i've had my shoot jobs and real things that i do here in life and you know, along the way, I had my son, I had my daughters with my fiance when we got in together. Um, I had to learn quick to be a dad, you know, like all those things. Like, I think wrestling taught me so much about who I didn't want to be in life and people I've met along the way and what I became now, which is a great guy, great dad, great wrestler, great family man. You know, I think I owe wrestling a lot of that because I've seen I've seen both sides in the, in, in this business, man. Crappy ass people and amazing ass men and women that have taught me like, hey, this is what you need to do, you know? Yeah, it's funny because like I I realized that one of the things in life that I wanted to do, right, and this is kind of where it takes like my shoot job, right, is that I wanted to help like athletes like get to the next level. So, you know, once I once I graduated with my degree, I was like, cool, what's the next plan? Where are we gonna go? I started taking on like other jobs, and it's funny because you mentioned shoot jobs, mm-hmm. and I was like working sales and stuff like that kind of building up my, my customer service side of things and being yeah. able to talk to people and then like when i fully committed that i wanted to become a pro wrestler i was like yo i also want to become a personal trainer because if i'm a personal trainer that means not only do i get a free gym membership and i get to work out whenever i want <laughs> but i get to learn i get to learn more about how to like structure workouts and build build a rapport with people and talk to different personalities and be able to yeah. i don't want to say blend but kind of like you know, just match people's energies. And so like, it's been such a blessing to do. And now like, it's also been a benefit for me because, you know, I'm, I, I'm making no secret. I'm turning 38 this year. And like, it throws a lot of people off because they're like, dude, like, how do you keep yourself? Look-? I'm like, bro, like, if you would have seen me in 2016, you would have been like, that dude's never going to make it where we are. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, in that time, I mean, listen, I, I know COVID was this huge thing, man, but when, when COVID hit a couple years ago, just even talking a shorter term, like that was a chance for a lot of people that I knew to reset. Like that was a chance for all of us to reset. Our business was dead. 
You know, our business was dead and the future was very unclear for all of us. Like if it was unclear for WWE guys and you saw all those waves of firing that happened during that time, how do you think we felt just being indie guys? Um, you know, but, you know, along the way, you learn to adapt and you got to do this, got to do that. Because let me tell you, I don't know how, how it went for you, Red Dog, but for me to wrestle when COVID was lighting up a little bit, it was crap to work anywhere because it was just so yeah. difficult with all the restrictions and stuff, you know? But like I said, man, I, first of all, I didn't even know you were 38. And listen, <laughs> you guys realize Miguel Del Barrio is, keeps an eye on his friends. And I know this is, this podcast is featuring Miguel today, but I want to, I want to congratulate you, buddy, because I saw, I think either yesterday or today that you posted it, man, congratulations on becoming a level two trainer, bro. Like your hard work. That's exactly what that is, man. And anytime that I see posts that my friends do that, and advance in something, man. I got to say congrats, bro. Like, I really am proud of you for doing that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. So, speaking of training and things that happen in the ring, I got to know, man, and it's one of my favorite questions to ask people. Good. You've been in 14 years, so I'm sure you have one of these, but what's the worst bump you've taken? The worst bump I've taken? Wow. Oh, there's been, there's been some. All right, so, uh, and, it, and it wasn't even because it hurt. I think it hurt me emotionally more. And I'm not going to mention names, but it is what it is. So back in the day when I was, I think I was like 18 at the time, you know, there was a guy that I, that got me into the gym that I originally started training in. And then there was, uh, then we were on the same show. Um, and somewhere along the lines, this guy, me and her were very close, but somewhere along the lines, he saw that people started talking to me. I got taken under the wing by a guy that was considered like a legend of that indie promotion who took a liking to me after our first match. I had a great match with him and he said, kid, you were born to do this. Like I started getting attention and love from all these old heads in that specific locker room. I don't know if it didn't sit well. I don't know if it, it was just, you know, I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I don't know because he had been there longer than me. But the worst bump that I can say I've taken is we talked about what was going to happen. We definitely went for the spot and everything was going good. And it was at the point where it was right at the, almost like right at the beginning of the match. And we said, here's the cutoff, man. This is where we're going to go. And we're going to go here. Okay. I went to do the spot and I got no sold. No sold to the point. I went for like a cutter. And of course, I'm waiting. All right, let's go. When I went for the cutter, he no-sells me, stands straight up, and pushed me right off of his neck. So, of course, I'm taking my bump, him pushing my shoulder off of him. I kind of landed more on my neck than I did my, my back. So, again, it didn't hurt as as much as my body, but emotionally at that point, I was like, and it was, and I'm telling you, man, a million things can go wrong in a match, but when those things happen, it's like time goes slow because you got to find time to adjust and figure out what you're going to do next. And at that point, when that happened, I was like, okay, here's where we're at. I know how the rest of this match is going to go. And for the rest of that match, man, I took stiff blows. I took no sold. Like I, I went to hit like a little like DDT or uh jawbreaker. Nothing, man, nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't think that guy hit the floor at all during that match. But again, that had to have been my worst bump because it was probably the bump that made me realize like not everybody is going to be here to look out after you, no matter how much you look after that. So. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's a great lesson like it's mm -hmm. a great lesson to learn because you know it's one of those questions i love asking too is like what's one of the hardest lessons you've had learned being in this business and i hear that a lot that not everybody's gonna be not everybody's there on your team right no. and i was i was taught something in this business that i hadn't learned yet which is 
I don't say it's always something new I'm learning, but like, you know, you have like your acquaintances, you have your friends, uh, you have your team and then you have your, the people in your corner. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and when I heard that and I thought about it, I was like, damn, like, that's crazy. And think about it. What you just said, right. Is that like, yeah, just because they're an acquaintance of yours. And sometimes they could be a good acquaintance of yours. Mm-hmm. It they does not mean, yeah, <laughs> it does not mean that they're going to be there for you at the end. <laughs> And, and my thing is this, like, I've, I've, I mean, like I said, you, like you said, I've been around long enough. There were acquaintances that turned enemies quick. And then, you know, the promoter asks to, for something to be done. You do. It's, it's not a promoter's job. Obviously, a promoter is going to try to keep flames and drama out of the locker room always. I definitely try to do the same thing. But sometimes things happen that a promoter, it's not a promoter's job to fix your shit. We're all adults in this business, okay? We're all mature and have families we go home to. So the things that we have to do, like if you went, if your shoe job was sell cars and you had another problem with another car dealer who had better sales than you and you guys just hate each other and talk crap about each other, just can't stand each other. When you get to that front door and it's time to work, all that shit goes out the window. I've been in the ring with guys that I really, really, and they know I, I literally, and I don't use the word hate much, but there are a few that I just can't stand because of their mentality, the way they perceive themselves as a human being and as a wrestler. But sometimes you just got to go to work, man. And like for guys like me and you, this is what we do. This is our passion and our love for it. I can't take responsibility for what other people want to do and ruin their careers with and make it my own. I got to go out there every single day and do what's best for me and that person. Even if they don't want the help, I can't control what they do. I can only control what I do. I love that you said that too, because that is something that's very important. And that's one thing that like, I have to continually remind myself that you can only control what you can control. Like at the end of the day, like you can be the nicest dude. You can be like, you can be the biggest asshole you can be. But at the end of the day, like if you're worried about like what's going on over there, you're not going to focus on what you got going on, Mm -hmm. like right in front of you. And that's like always a massive thing to me. I'm always like, all right. Cause like, even uh, I had a match recently um, and things we had a hot start and then yep. things fell apart very quickly gotcha. and we were trying to like figure out where we were in the match and it was it's not it's no secret it was two green dudes kind of going at it right it was a big gotcha. story too so anyway uh well once i told him i was like yo kick me in the chest because like there was this idea like we were both kind of fighting for like to try to establish like hey the story i was like yo just kick me in the chest and so my friend i got kicked in the chest i dropped he hits the senton and i was like go for the pin one, two, and I was like, work a hand, and that was it, and once we got into wrestled, we kind of realized, like, all right, this is where we are, let's focus, let's slow down, but it was crazy, though, but I was like, it was just, it was, like, rampant, but, like, as you said, right, like, we had to focus on what we could control at that time, and so once we, once we focused and got the controlled, all right, here's where we are, let's, Let's go to the right. next spot. We got right. this. That's it worked out. And I always tell my students too, and I tell young wrestlers too, like there's times that you could be in a match. And this is why. So, I mean, I did, obviously we're in the business of where that's how it is. But, you know, when I was brought up, right, I was brought up on you must learn how to wrestle, but you also have to be able to call crap on the fly. And that's, I don't know, I think you've met her a couple times, but my daughter Sage, she's uh, a wrestler too, and she's been training since she's been super young, and she's doing her thing. But at the same time, um, like with Sage, I like that girl has more trouble sometimes. All right, let's do this spot. Okay, this is what's going to happen. Okay, this is what you're going to do. This is what's next. She's so good at calling on the fly that she'd rather just go out there and boom. Because 
I, think about it. Say, say, say you and me go at it, Red Dog, right? And I want the best part. I can tell you, I don't care what you guys do. You guys call the ending, but I want it to be a story, right? If we go out there and I'm supposed to be loved in the town and I'm just not loved and it's not going, everything that we planned beforehand goes out the window. Goes out the yep. window. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> if Red Dog had to be the bad guy and these guys boo you and now they're like, oh, yeah, we want Red Dog. Someone pulls out a sign like, oh, where'd that sign come? I didn't even know they knew me. Like, if that's where we're at, we got to switch it. I, me at least, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you while we're in there, like, hey man, switch roles. Like like this is gonna help you switch roles, you know. But then that also goes with the not everyone's gonna look after you, so not everybody thinks the same you do. But when it comes to me and something like that happens in a ring where we lose ourselves, we gotta call an audible. Sometimes audibles happen not because something got messed up in the match, but you gotta read the crowd too. That's why I don't like playing yeah. it too too much. Yeah, it was something like even me and that person. Like the lead up to our match, right, was. There was a lot of a lot of storyline kind of going into it, but I had yeah. said, I had mentioned something. I was like, "Yo, I was like, if something happens where like like I come out and this crowd does not respond to me and they start booing me and they cheer you as soon as you hit me, yep. like, ayo, we we are flipping this role so quick." And yep. so what ended up happening was I got I got hit in the back, and then he started beating me down. And the crowd half the crowd cheered, half the crowd booed. Right. So we're like, all right, we're still kind of in this, like, we're going to figure out stage. Once he stood up and said something to the crowd, and the crowd started booing him, I was like, all right, plan to stay as normal. But I had 100%, I was 100% ready to just, like, look at the ref, like, push the ref and hit this dude right in the dick and be like, we are changing this up right fucking now. (laughs) And I really appreciate that you have that mindset. That's the same one I do. And I've met a lot of people, and a lot of people have similar mindsets, but the one you just described is exactly how I am. Like I um I've been at places where and, and some places have surprised me. Like when I used to go there as Tigre, they cheer me. And then the one time I went out there and I'm like ready for like this big applaud, I got booed. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm like no. Okay, well now I can't be like, yeah, let's do it. Now it's like, hey man, drop your drink. Like, you know, I it's you gotta you gotta roll with the punches, man. But like again, the guys that can do something like that are the guys that go far. I love it too because like I I never thought about that kind of aspect of it until I was like ECW one night stand John Cena Edge right because John thought he was gonna be that person but I got I got taught that lesson um, by an incredible legend I'll tell you after the after you guys don't yeah, get to yeah. know who it was but you don't get all those secrets but uh, he definitely told me he's like what you should do is have a spot plan out for the beginning and then have your ending and then everything else just go out there and call on the fly. And That's I was like, exactly what someone told me. Like, the exact same I thing. Like, that sounds got. like I got the same thing, man. Same thing, man. Everything <laughs> in between we call while we're in there, but the front, the beginning and the ending is the two most important things. And that's where you go. Yeah. I love it. And then, uh, so you recently, you know, like you said, about about a year now, you kind of like, taken off the mask and you've kind of just like let Miguel show up and like what who are the characters that kind of like help add to who Miguel is like Um, inspire I guess is the word we're looking for so okay so I'll give you and here's a little rollback and a lot of people that know me know the story um so my dad came up in Puerto Rico when he was wrestling when I was born and I was growing up he really wasn't doing it he was doing it for a couple of promoters in Jersey and New York as a favor but he was well into his like 40s and at that time wasn't wrestling much anymore. So, but regardless of that, luckily enough, my grandfather, his dad, my, my grandpa, he was a wrestler. I never got to meet him. He passed away before I was even born. But 
he was a wrestler. And when my dad was learning, my dad was able to share the ring with guys all over the place when they first got started. Guys like Chavo Guerrero, like Eddie Guerrero, like, you know, Ray coming up at one point was uh, a uh, conversation mm-hmm. with that. Um, so I can remember distinctly, and this is like one of my favorite stories ever. Um, because of my dad, I was able to, at a young age, meet Eddie a few times. When he had first come over from WCW to go over to WWE, he couldn't afford to pay for the stuff in the garden. When he was working the garden, he didn't want to stay in New York. So he'd come and stay with us every now and again. Very rarely, but would come stay. In- so there was once or twice that I met him. And to me, like, he was such a sweet guy. And he was he loved the business, you know. And then I lost my dad. And then a couple months apart, Eddie passed away on us, too. And he, he was gone. So for me, the whole Miguel Del Barrio character was influenced 100% by Eddie. But myself as a wrestler, the tiger mask, when I took it up, the only reason that it was the mask that it was, it was, was because Eddie was the tiger mask in Japan at one point. So I took that mask up also because of Eddie. Everything I've done and the, the way I saw Eddie portray himself and the stories that I've heard before from me meeting people, meeting WWE legends at cons and stuff and having some uh, some of the veterans of WWE who were able to meet him that are backstage sometimes at the shows that we're at. Like, they all said Eddie was about this business. He was about his family. He was about this business and the future of this business. So me as a person in wrestling, that's exactly what I'm about. Like, Eddie is the one inspiration that I've ever had in wrestling, ever. It's always been Eddie. And it's funny because, like, when we talked to Shaw, uh, she was on the show, by the way, for those who don't know. I love uh, but when we talked to, yeah, when we talked to Shaw, like, that was one of her big things, too, was that, you know, she was very much like, she talked about her dad and how, like, he, and, and anybody who has done, like, any kind of research on Eddie all understood that, like, this business was his first love. Like, Absolutely. he has a family, he loves his family, right, yeah. obviously, but wrestling was it. Like, that right. was everything. Right. And you see it in his work, his technicality and stuff like that. That's why, like, when I saw him and I thought about, like, Red Dog, I was like, yo, I can I can also play the same kind of aspect of, like, wrestling. It's, like, this comedy side of character, yeah. but also, like, the very serious side of character. And I loved that aspect so much. And I was like, yo, Eddie was, like, the perfect to me, like, he's Eddie, the perfect Eddie, tweener. Eddie had everything. Eddie, Eddie could make you... If there was a if if WrestleMania was a thing and Eddie was still around, okay, Eddie's the one guy that I believe, and I, I had this conversation with a, for a wrestler of mine not too long ago, and we both agreed when we asked, "Hey, who do you think could do this?" WrestleMania is now two nights in a row, okay, same weekend now. Started like that three years ago, I think about. Eddie would be that perfect candidate if he was still around to go out there night one, defend the belt and make you love him. And then the next night, tell everybody to screw off and people could hate him. That's how good he was. was. Sometimes in our business, like me, right? I, 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 uh, I think you were there. I was a heel briefly at one CW, a couple shows last year. Uh, I thought I did a good job. Uh, Sean thought I did a good job, but he just likes me more as a good guy. So that's fine. I went back to the show and came back as a good guy. Uh, I, I definitely can do both, but I know friends of mine that say, you know, no, I'll always be a heel. Uh, we'll bring them up. Love Luca Mancini, right? That's one of my first students I ever had. Amazing dude. One of my best friends. He's my son's godfather. Okay. He's uncle to my, my, my girls. Um, Luca is such a good heel and 
a lot of that is because he's a heel in person. But at the same time, <laughs> like if, if, if a promotion were to go, hey, Luca, do you want to go babyface? I think he could do it. 100% he could do it. But he will always tell you, I'd rather be a heel because it's more fun. And I think a lot of people say that. But there are some people in this business that genuinely can't play one or the other. And that's okay. You know, but you just got to find what works for you. And that was something for me, too. Like, I, I love being a baby face. I, and it's weird because at 1CW, I'm a heel currently. Yeah, yeah. But every once in a while, they bring me back. Like, some people will pop for me. But I love being a heel, right? But I also love – and my heel game wasn't really that good. Last year, I knew – I went to um, I went to the Wrestling Open. I had a, a, a dark match, right, uh, a practice match, I guess we could call it. Um, and my heel work just wasn't quite up to par. Like, I just wasn't comfortable with it, right? But being friends with the boys of pure ignorance, clearly <laughs> their heel work is on point. So there was nothing but – yeah, I was gonna get the, I was gonna get the rub from those guys and like kind of learn like, hey, how do I get to be a heel? How can I like spark yeah. up interest from this from this uh, this crowd to hate me? Yeah. And sure enough, at e- EWA this last year, uh, actually this last weekend, um, I came through the curtain and the crowd was like, they really want. You could see like some people were like, yeah, and I was like, what? place am i at i was like this place sucks <laughs> and then like people start booing me instantly i was like okay now we generate some heat like yeah. and then I, was, I walk around looking at people i was like no 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 no, no. they like, don't 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 the fresh prince fresh prince isn't here i don't want to be in bel-air anymore this place sucks yeah. and like i just kept it going and then i found like that one or two people that i would look at and i would just say something to get the rest of the crowd into it but it was because i was like hanging out with those guys and learning how to become a heel because as a baby face and I don't know, probably 90% of the people will tell you like, hey, like how Red Dog is like a great baby face. And like, I, I love it. But yeah, it's something face. about being a heel. <laughs> I love, yeah, I am a, I'm a massive baby face. And plus like all my wrestling stuff like comes into baby faces things, right? Like when I shine up, like I trip a guy on the ground and I jump right next to him and I do like the little, the little cute pose right next to him or like I do the gun spot, which like seems to be like everybody's favorite thing to yeah, watch yeah. me do. <laughs> but it's it's like learning how to do the like move like your baby face move sets, but turn them into heel spots. That's where like my biggest challenges like come to like currently. I hear you, uh, and 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 that comes with time. Like you gotta and and you know what? I my advice to younger wrestlers too, because like um. There's a couple of wrestlers that I know that are coming up right now in training and they haven't hit the scene yet. But of course, I've always said, like, you got to learn to be a baby baby face before you're a heel. But at the same time, these kids are always learning so many new moves or they see things on WWE and they're like, oh, I want that part of my moveset. Like for me, right? I have maybe, I know, I think there's an actual number that the legends tell you you should stick to. But I have like five to eight moves that I strictly stick to. Like I got to hit them. If I don't get hit at one or two, that's perfectly fine. But that's why I have that, that number off. Um, if you get used to the move set that you do, right? You're going to eventually, when someone tells you, hey, you go heal, you just dumb it down where you know it would get the pop. Like me right now, right? And homage to Eddie. I hit the three amigos and I hit the frog splash, right? When it comes to my heel side, I won't hit that third one. I'll go up for the third one. I'll push the guy off me and tell the crowd, you know, you guys don't deserve the third one. Well, you thought this was three amigos? No, it's only two. As a matter of fact, I'm here by myself. 
I just chose to do too. And that, like, you just, again, like the frog splash. Ready for the big splash? Everybody knows it's coming? Nah, just hop down, go for a lazy pin. Like, you learn that. But that comes with time. And I think all these, these younger kids that I know coming up, and I tell them all the time, learn five to six and drill it into your head. And then add cool stuff that you want to add later on. But you got to learn your basics. Because if you don't, you're all over the place. You want to do different moves all the time. And you're just confusing yourself. And you never learn either or. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely, because it was something like I was reading a book. And the book was talking about have like your, your, your mixtape, like a good mixtape, right? But your good mixtape has like five or six like good songs, which you also need to be real. So like I have like my five moves. That I definitely want to hit my five moves of doom for those out there who, love that John Cena speech but then I also have like a couple like two or three others like behind the scenes I'm just like I will hit these every once in a while whenever there's like someone's like hey do something quick and I'm like all right bet and we'll yeah. we'll go for it but it, it it's funny because like I try to stay away from a lot of like a lot of cliche moves if Me it makes too. sense like <laughs> yeah like everybody's like oh I love hitting a cutter and a super kick I'm like cool yep. I just I just want to hit you with a lariat <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> And it sucks, man. I'm actually, actually right now, like, again, I love Eddie. Like, I, like, I, I, I don't have an obsession, but I just wish, like, my dad had been around to see me wrestle. I wish Eddie had been around with my dad to see me take the ring the first time. But I'm actually going to start trying. It's kind of, I have fear for the person taking the bump before, but if you look it up, like, I'm, I'm starting to learn how to do the gory slam properly. Because right now, I have a spin-out cutter. But again, like you said, Everyone's hitting a cutter. Everybody's hitting elbows. <laughs> Everyone's hitting frog splashes now. Like, I want to stay away and make it unique. That's why my daughter, too, like, I'm not going to give her spots away, but my daughter, too, right now, like, she has a finisher that right now, I think maybe it happens every now and again, but no one's hitting it. And if they are, they use it as a basic move. But I tell her, listen, you take that basic move and you max it out to 10,000 and you make it the greatest move that you have in there and make that other person sell. And you'll see that that move will be assigned to you as a finisher because no one else is hitting it as big as they would. You know, if you get hit with a stunner, right, you're going to sell the crap out of that. But if you make people realize that you're like you just said, maybe your finisher is hilarious. Cool. Hit the lariat every time. Eventually, the guys that you're working with and the crowd's going to see that arm come up for it, and that's it. They're going to, well, there it is. It's done. It's a simple lariat, but it got it done. Yeah. Hey, so uh, let me ask, right? Uh, it's one of my favorite questions to ask people because we've already talked about the hardest lesson, but this is also a fun question I love asking. So you've been in 14 years, a lot of different locker rooms. I just got to know one do and one don't of the locker room. Do and don'ts. Okay. So, ooh. so biggest do for me. And I, I, my mom just taught me how to be a good person growing up. And I have, I'm from a Spanish family. So when you walk past an aunt and uncle or a grandmother and they notice you walk by, you don't like you made, you literally made visual contact and you didn't say anything, smack inside the head. Right. So when I walk into a locker room, my biggest thing for any young talent listening or who's going to watch this or happens to stroll on, um, Always shake everybody's hand. I do not care who you are. I don't care if you are the double champ at two promotions or you come in with five belts and you have that Fed's belt. You shake absolutely everybody's hand and say, hey, this is me. How are you doing? Uh, you know, you like that's how you open up and break ice with people too. Um, I learned, and this is my, I love them. And I'm going to send them this clip when it comes out, man. I love them to death. There's a, there's a legend that used to be part of the, uh, 
ECPW locker room, and he's considered a vet there. His name is Metal Maniac, okay? Metal Maniac literally said that the reason he took a liking to me so young in my career that he said, I want to match with him, didn't even realize I hadn't had a match yet, was because when he saw all these young guys come in finally to do the show and have their first show along with me at that company, everybody just looked for a spot, said hi to the trainers that they see every day, and then completely ignored him because they didn't know who he was. It was the first time being backstage. I was sitting down, noticed who he was, came in, coming in. He came up to me when he went to shake my hand, like, hey, kid, uh, you know, I'm Metal Maniac. How are you? Uh, hey, man, I'm T-Gray. Uh, hey, sir, you can have my chair. No, 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 okay, don't do that. No, 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 sir, seriously, have my chair. It's okay. I know who you are. Have my chair. From then on, man, I like he's back living his life in Hawaii, living his best life, retired, not really doing much here in the States, but I know he's killing it over there. But like that lesson that I learned, how important little things in this company, this business is from shaking hands. That is my biggest do. My biggest don't is do not walk in there thinking you're hot shit. Don't, don't. That's literally it. Like, I know there's probably a lot that we can talk about in detail, but the biggest killer is ego, man. Like, like I said, again, if you have a million titles or you don't have any, but you're the main guy there and you're the guy that's on the poster every month, do not walk in with an ego because it makes people realize how much of an ass you are. And it makes people probably realize that you're probably not the best guy to work with. And you're probably not going to want people excited to wrestle you. Um, Again, I'm, I've always said I'm bottom of totem pole. I don't like to, oh, yeah, I'm the greatest over here. Or I'm the greatest over there. Or I'm good because of this. I'm good. I don't do any of that. So I try to do things to put me in spots where I have guys going like, hey, man, do you think uh, I can come down the frontier? Oh, hey, man, we're going to be at 1CW. Let, let, let's see if we can get a match. Like that to me is everything. That's, that's my boom. You did it. You're doing your job right. Is when people are asking me, like, hey, man, why don't we try to get something done somewhere? No, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, so, listen, we're going to jump over to my favorite segment of the Three Count Podcast. Oh, and that is the Three Count Podcast, Ten Count Questions. And, Miguel, this is how it works. I'm going to fire off ten questions at you rabbit fast. And uh, whatever your answer is, that is your answer. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to put on the imaginary timer for ad pressure. <gasps> Bing! And in the words of Mike Goldberg, here we go. SmackDown or Raw? SmackDown. Favorite movie? Uh, Fast and Furious. Sonic or Mario? Uh, Mario. Favorite actor? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Early Bird or Night Owl? Uh, uh, early Bird. We'll go Early Bird, yep. Favorite cartoon? Oh, Pokemon. Hey, let's go. Follow-up question. Which generation? Uh, definitely one and two, but because I have a son, <laughs> love the new stuff now, too. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Favorite podcast? Oh, it's got to be this one, man. I've had so much fun. Three-account podcast, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. Uh, off the top of my head, someone that I'd love to see on this podcast, 100%. If you haven't had him, I think you have, but I'm going to throw his name out there. I'm going to go with Luca Mancini. So, pause the timer, even though there's not a real timer right here. Uh, so we had, so we had Luca on the show and my, my connection, my internet connection just went to shit. 
So, like, <laughs> yeah, so I told Luca, I was like, I was like, bro, we got to bring you back. We got to find a date and stuff like that. So we've been trying to line up our schedule so that we can make it happen. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. we definitely need to bring him back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Luca Mancini is definitely someone you want to do then, man, because that, that uh, I love him. I love him as a person and as a friend, man. He's my friend behind the scenes. He's my friend while we're in there. Uh, he was my first student along with my daughter that I really took on and I taught. And, you know, he's been with me ever since. He's fr he's Frontier Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion right now. So his hard work has shown in the last three years that he's been wrestling. And then, but last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person who comes on this show, favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> I say it so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I use it, like, all the time. Like, Absolutely. it just, it's every word. <laughs> Sometimes I just insert it into words because I, you know, why not? Yeah, because it's absolutely necessary. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, man. But those are all my questions I have for you. So, Thank if you so the last thing I need from you is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you, they can find me at Frontier Pro Wrestling. Uh, YouTube, I have uh, Los Del Barrios, uh, me and my daughter's channel on there. You know, we're doing fun stuff over there. You know, you can find me at 1CW. You can look me up at Miguel Del Barrio on Instagram or Facebook. There you go. He gave you his handles. He told you, you know, all about his YouTube channel and told you, you know, all the other things that you can find him at, including his other promotions. So, like every great part of a wrestling match, we got to take it home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the band you up this mountain called wrestling but like every good sherpa you gotta have someone who's been there done that and can do it more efficiently than you can and that's why it's never about me it's about who's ancient ring so who's ancient ring you see that man right there okay he's a third generation superstar okay Miguel the audio and you guys know what to do tune into the next episode and be there or you're legitimately following us on all of our social media platforms. You're follow. even following us on Spotify. Follow. You're even going there. on and subscribing to our YouTube channel. You're also leaving us those five-star frog slash reviews on Apple Podcasts. You've been checking us out on Apple, uh, Amazon Music now that that's a thing. Uh, you're even buying our merch. That's on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Three Count Podcast. Or if it's not out there anymore, go to ForYourWear.com forward slash the Three Count Podcast. Do all that stuff. Check us out there. Tell your friends about us. Leave us comments, loves, likes. Unlikes if you don't like us, or even leave us those hate comments because we like those too. Like. Anyway, do all that stuff. Tell all your friends about it. So you're really just kind of waiting for this episode to end. You're waiting for that outro, <laughs> and then you're choosing another episode to listen to. Either way, Kawaii. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give subscribe, turn the bell on, turn the notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me 
the Three Count Podcast also has merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support, please.